Thanks for downloading this podcast from The Rock of York. We hope it inspires you. If you have any questions or comments, we'd love to hear from you. You can get in touch with us on Twitter, at The Rock of York, or search for The Rock of York on Facebook. And of course, there's the website at www.rockofyork.co.uk. But you probably already knew that. Here's something you might not know. Thanks for being here. Um, it sometimes, you know, can be a bit disappointing. You put a lot of work in for a few, but that's not me saying that you few aren't worth it. Don't, please don't get me wrong. Cause I th- and I hope you're here because you want to be, not because you're just being faithful. I hope you're here because you're sort of enjoying the... Um, the task, you know, the, the, what we say on the lab, you know, the research, the exploration, the experimenting. I mean, I know for some it can be very, very difficult because it's like you're touching, you know, very precious, long-held uh, understanding and it can be like, what you're doing to my stuff? Um, but let me say right from the start, now, the, I've, please don't misunderstand this, but a certain person isn't here tonight at the moment which is going to make it better for me because most of the time they don't agree with anything I'm saying. So I get letters every week telling me where I'm going wrong. Now, here's the point. I am not bringing anything tonight to say that this is what you have to believe. What I have done is gone away and done research and done study, and I am bringing you thoughts, an idea that you can put it into your pot of already understanding and you can decide okay is there validity to that is it something that I should be willing now to then give up something in place of this new information or am I happy to carry on believing what I believed before and honestly that is fine anybody who tells you that the rock is trying to make you believe something different it's just not the truth we are trying just to uh, look into it and offer you thoughts and uh, you can go in do with with it what you want although what i would have to say is that we are looking for that which sets us free because what we have noticed is that over the years you find that as i spoke a few weeks ago that what we then believe is this awesome salvation that god has given us if we're not careful is bondage not freedom and so what we are making sure of is that anything that we are associating with Jesus and his God, who we know him as Abba, Father, that that gels together. And it's not like, well, hang hang on a minute. Jesus is supposed to be the exact representation of the Father. But what it's saying here and what I'm believing doesn't mirror that. If there's a contradiction, we should at least be willing to say, hang on a minute, that doesn't seem to ring true. So does this help as, a, as an introduction? Okay, well, I'm going to tackle tonight, and you better not be faint-hearted, because I'm going to touch um, one of the major things. Now, you know, we've talked before about invented words, like the word hell is invented, uh, the word church is invented, and uh, we've talked about those. Um, well, an, another word that's invented is this one. <laughs> and you think, oh, is it really? And I'll tell you how. I'll make it clear how. Um, but when you think about it, just like the doctrine of hell is very much a major part of what you would call the Christian common narrative, if you think about it, so is this. And the reason why I've written it like this is because, um, and I'm getting away from my notes, I'll just have to try and find where I am later, but this is the, the, the idea here. In the Old Testament, Satan is mentioned not very many times at all, but that's a Hebrew word, and it's Satan, Ha-Satan, basically, uh, and it means adversary. Um, but can you see how the arrow goes to Lucifer? And then here, this is New Testament, where we have the word devil, because the New Testament's written in Greek, which is, means diablos, right? Which means accuser. Now, the reason why I've got arrow facing either way is the question is, but is Satan of the Old Testament Lucifer? And is the devil of the New Testament Lucifer? 
or is this Lucifer something else that uh, we've been, you know, sold a story of and um, we have to figure that out because you see Lucifer here, um, the word is actually a Latin word. So it's a very modern word. It's not Hebrew. Um, and he's supposed to be, if you think about it, the fallen angel who, as the story goes in the common narrative of the Christian story, he was the one who fell in the beginning in heaven. There was a war. And basically he has become this arch enemy of God. And if you think about it in the context of uh, the church, is the one who we're warring against. Um, even in the context of our beings, it's, you know, you even get things like the devil made me do it. Yeah, come on, let's be honest. So, you know, it's, it, when I talk like this, you know that we're not just talking about some little fable that, oh, I might have heard about that some while ago. We know that it's attached to the common narrative. Would you agree? So this is what we're going to sort of look at tonight. Now, if you come and have a look at my notes, you will wonder how the heck I can say anything because it is such a jumble. But it's just the way I work. But then when I come away at it and I think, well, how am I going to? I will do my best. We'll go slowly, right? We'll go slowly. Um, where am I? Right. So a few weeks ago, I mentioned that I was concerned about this word here, mainly because it didn't seem to fit. Because I remember, while I was on uh, away in India, walking along the beach, and I said to Anth, I said, have you ever thought about this? I said, Lucifer, the name, if it is a name, doesn't work in the context of the other names that are used about the heavenly hosts, you know, angels. So we read about Gabriel, we read about Michael. There's many more, and I'm not going to bore you with them all, but there's lots, and they've all got L at the end. And so as I'm going up the beach, I'm saying, doesn't that bother you to Anth? And of course, it doesn't bother him at all. And I said, well, of course, it, it should bother you. Because to me, that makes me wonder what is going on. And that's why I've already put there. The reason why it doesn't make sense in the context of those other names is because it's Latin. And we come to that name um, only in the King James. <laughs> you'll hardly believe this. It's in the King James Version of the Bible. And it is in the Latin Vulgate. I know that sounds a horrible, vulgar word, doesn't it? But it's not. It's the Latin Vulgate that was written in the 4th century by a guy called Jerome. It is only in those um, translations. Only two. And the scriptures that actually enforced our whole understanding of this character called Lucifer are only actually in three places in the Bible. One is in Isaiah. The other is in Ezekiel and the other is in Revelation. We're talking about a very short, tiny amount of text that we have based a doctrine on. Now, it might be right. I'm not saying it isn't. You, we're going to take you through it. But for the text to be so short and in many ways ambiguous, to base a huge doctrine on it makes me wonder, hang on a minute, do you know what I mean? It's a bit like the doctrine of, of hell. When you start to tear it apart and people will say, well, you know, Jesus talked about hell more than anybody. And then you go and have a look and you say, he didn't. You get me? It's true. Um, so you have to then say, okay, well, then you look into the translations and this, that and the other. And you, you, you find that we've actually been sold a mischief which unless somebody's prepared to actually get down to it and, uh, and do the work of figuring it out, which I, you know, I'm not saying for anything I've done it perfectly, I'm, I'm starting the conversation. Is that okay? Um, so forget that little bit there. We'll come to that in a minute. But to, let's start by looking then um, at the scripture. If you want to put it up in the King James Version, please. It's Isaiah 14, 12. Um, and you can, we'll read it, but then I'll, I'll talk about it. I'll try and make sense of these notes. <laughs> because seriously, it's, uh, it's quite a, a mess. Um, right, verse, starting from verse 12, it says this. Um, hang on a minute, because where's my tablet? If I, if I open it in here as well. Is anybody interested in this? Or are you thinking, hmm? 
boring. Um, let's find this. Right, the scripture um, is verse 12. How you are fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning. How you are cut down to the ground, you who weakened the nations. Um, now that's the translation in the King James Version. Now, um, we'll come back to that in a, in a minute. I just wanted to tell you first about the other uh, where it all gets a bit messed up because if you think about it, the Hebrew Bible um, was what was used to... F Actually, this maybe should write on... Do you want to just write this quickly on the board, somebody? If you, if you just write Hebrew Bible, the pen there, Septuagint. Yeah, do you want me to do it? All right, going to be all right. Well... Just no, I do it here. It doesn't matter. So just just so that I can refer to things. Hebrew Bible. Then there's the Septuagint. S E P T U. I think it's A G I N T. N T. Yeah, Septuagint. Then we've got the. Uh, hang on. Uh, <laughs> um, Latin Vulgate. Right, and then we've got the King James Version in sort of that order. That, that's great. So, Hebrew Bible, what we've got, it says, let me just find it. And then we can uh, do it properly, can't we? Um, it says, How you are fallen from heaven, O day star, son of dawn. But the words for O day star, son of dawn where there is no uh, lucifer it says this hellel ben shahar now i could immediately say oh that's exciting because we've suddenly got somebody with an l oh that's made me feel quite good don't get all excited yet but that is in the original Hebrew, uh, it says, How you are fallen from heaven, O day star, son of dawn. But O day star, son of dawn is actually, it should be, How you are fallen from heaven, Hel, Hel, El, Ben, Shahar, son of dawn. Right. That's the actual Hebrew. But it, they write it backwards as well. So if you want to have a look at it, you can. But it's, it's, all the words are in a different order. So that's that. Um, then in the um, in the uh, Septuagint, um, the son of oh I, I didn't write this one down. Can you come back? Sorry, it's Heosphorus. You can put it just there if you like. Heos Heosphorus. <laughs> it's a horrible word. H e o s p h o r u s. And what that means is just bringer of light, like son of the dawn, bringer of light, because it was referring to a star, uh, a planet, Venus. So we've got a totally different thing in the uh, Septuagint. It's just Heosphorus, um, bringer of the dawn. And it was actually to do with Venus, the morning star. And then... When you get to then the Latin Vulgate, all of a sudden we've got Lucifer introduced and that's in the fourth century. So Lucifer hasn't been involved until the fourth century and then we have got Lucifer, interestingly enough, maybe we should write, that, write it, this one down, come back. Lucifer, but with a small L. Now that's interesting. You can put it at the bottom of there, yeah. It's only so you can refer to it. So Lucifer, but with a small L. And actually what Lucifer is about in the Latin Vulgate was still attached to it being about um, not, a be, not a person per se, but Lucif Lucifer was taken from a Roman understanding of 
Uh, it's Lucem Fair, which again is bringer of light. But you can see how we're getting to the Lucem Fair. It's actually just a take on what means bringer of light. So we can we'll look a bit more at these in a minute. But then by the time you get to the King James Version, you've got Lucifer with what? A capital L, because he's suddenly now not any of these other expressions. You've got a name who is the personification of a fallen angel who, like I say, the whole doctrine of uh, the devil or Satan revolves around. Now, d does that make sense? So you can see how translations... Now, a few uh, weeks ago, uh, Dave Farmond was saying, which is the translation that we should uh, read? The, the truth is there isn't any one of them. You've just got to have a look at them all because all of them will, will give you a, a different idea. Now, sometimes you can pull it all together and it'll give you just this, this, this bigger picture. But basically, Lucifer was never a person, was never a name. And um, the, uh, in, in Roman times, which of course the Latin Vulgate, I mean the, the word Latin gives it away, it's to do with Roman and it's all to do with the understanding of, of the morning star which rose up on a morning, the first thing that comes up before the sun is what you actually see in the day and they used to call that a Lucifer, a Lucifer, not Lucifer, it was a Lucifer because it was the bringer of light you get it? It's Lucifer. But then they're called the dawn star Lucifer, and then they're called the even, evening star Venus. So it was all just to do with, with stars. Now, interesting for me, this. Um, and then, of course, like I said, the Heosphorus is, a, is an attachment of that. Um, but then this Helel, son of Shahar, is very interesting if we get into that, because, are you ready for this? Do you remember when we were talking months ago about how the Bible uh, was written by various writers and we talked about one of the earliest understandings of the fathers, you know, the Abraham, Isaac and Jacob, their understanding of God was not Yahweh, it was El. And so what you have in, in essence is the understanding from this Hallel that we are going back to that place where these names have been mentioned. But what's interesting is that it's attached, and you can Google it, have a look, look as much as you like. This Hillel is attached to the Canaanite pantheon of gods, which if you remember, we talked about it before Israel as a nation adopted Yahweh as their own God, or should I say that Yahweh adopted Israel as his portion, Israel was actually adopting a lot of the pantheon of the Canaanite gods who was led by El, right? And what you've got said is that Helel, get this, it's interesting, was this lesser God of the pantheon of El who tried to dethrone El but was thrown out of heaven and he failed. Now don't you find that interesting that you've got that story attached to the, the pantheon of the Canaanites and if you think about it they probably decided oh we, we want that story of our own. Now hear me right now I am not saying that there isn't Satan however We've talked about that Satan can be an adversary, which means I can be an adversary as much as you can. And in fact, I'm going to take you in a, in a while where in the Old Testament, you see that even God is called Satan at one point because it's not Satan as a being, but God was being adversarial. Is that making sense? I'm trying to go slow enough, but it, it, I know this it can be quite complicated uh, so I don't know where I am now so um, so you got the bit about Hillel son, son of Shahar now see these were like I say that's if we want to accept this it doesn't mean it's right but it's certainly written up that way as Hillel being one of the 
pantheons of, of this god El, who was seen as the supreme deity of the Canaanites, and their story is this of this fallen angel. So we do have like a, a picture, and it could be, and it's, it's mentioned many times in various write-ups, that what happened in the fourth century, that this being known of this story, that basically the Christian uh, uh, new new uh, growth of a, of a group were actually just, just as they, it, the Israelites uh, took uh, their own God in the sense of instead of being polytheistic, they became monotheistic. Um, suddenly, they also have their own uh, fallen angel, which is called Lucifer, but just by a way of, of, through translation, if you see what I mean. So it became Lucifer rather than Hillel, son of Shahar. Right. However, when we go back to um, the uh, King James Version, um, it's. Where's my thing now? See if I can find it. Um, where do I. F yeah, there. Okay. Okay. If we go back a little bit to verse 3 of chapter 14, it's seems very clear that what is being spoken about here is not uh, anything that's like um, heavenly or, or spiritual or supernatural because verse 3 says this, and it shall come to pass in the day that the Lord shall give thee rest from thy sorrow and from thy fear and from the hard bondage wherein thou was made to serve, thou shalt take up this proverb against the king of Babylon. So that's why I've written him down there too. Because we find that, that uh, the start of this whole business is not talking about Lucifer, even at the beginning, or it's not talking about Venus or the stars or whatever, the Heosphorus. It's actually talking about king of Babylon. Now, it goes on then uh, to talk about how bad he was and what's going to happen to him because he oppressed um, the children of Israel, basically. And then we come to verse 12. How art thou fallen from heaven? And it says there, O Lucifer. But that, as we've said, Lucifer should not be there because it actually should be this Hallel, son of Shahar, right? Or just saying, um, O son of the dawn, morning star. Do you get, do you get me? Um, so that's how that should, should read. Now, since the King James Version, any other version that's come around um, does not have Lucifer in it. That's gone. All of a sudden, you find that all the modern translations all put shining one or morning star. Now, the truth is, people can still say, oh, well, you know, shining one, morning star. It must be some supernatural being or, or whatever. But basically, if you get to the... Uh, where is it? All right, is it verse? Where does it say what's gonna? Yeah, verse twenty. It says this about the king, king of Babylon. Basically, um, it says you're going to be trodden down, uh, and you shall not be joined with them in burial because thou hast destroyed thy land and slain thy people, um, and basically you're just not going to be remembered anymore, and your your name is going to be cut off from Babylon. And uh, nobody's basically going to know you anymore. Now, how can you say that about the king of Babylon when you know that if this is Lucifer, he is not going to be cut off in that sense because he's going to be something that for a very long time is going to be a major player in the story. D does that make sense? Um, you, you're not going to tell somebody, well, you know, you're just going to be cut off and that's going to be the end of it. And you're not going to be buried with the great kings if ultimately this being, because of what he's done and fallen, is going to be basically a thorn in the flesh of, of the world until it ends. <laughs> does that, yeah, I mustn't say that. Does it make sense? So if you actually have a look, uh, it says, how have you fallen from heaven? If you just go back to, is it verse 4? Oh, I don't know. Because you see, 
How we come to the understanding of it being a fallen angel is purely by, is it, do you call it speculation or assumption or whatever? Because when you hear things like, how have you fallen from heaven? You, you immediately assume that we're talking about this realm, this spiritual realm. But you see, when you talked about kings in the old time anyway, you had a different language. Kings were gods. They were looked upon as basically supernatural beings. So that we can't just look at the language and automatically assume that it's saying one thing. Now, again, I'm just laying it out for you. Um, there was basically a sense that this king was being uh, told that, okay, you set yourself up. You wanted to be the greatest and because you wanted to be the greatest and you wanted to be above it all, and because it says, you know, one of the, the lines is, I will ascend and make my throne above the most high. So there was a tendency to want grand, grandissement and want more, but that doesn't mean to say that it was an angel in heaven. It might have been just like, and we have another example, like Babel, when they decided they were going to build a tower to get to heaven. What was going on? It's because they honestly thought, I can take on God. See what I mean? So the king of Babylon actually might be like, the, 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 like Nimrod was saying, do you know what? I can actually get above you, you know, blah, blah, blah. Anyway, um, it also talks about him, and I think I've lost where it is. Uh, it talks about him being a man. It doesn't talk about him being an angel, but it says he's a man. And uh, uh, we, we possibly uh, think that, uh, that he could be Nebuchadnezzar's son, Belshazzar, but he actually is not named. But you can have, have a look and follow it. You can find how it's named. But also, I'm going to throw another little curveball. This Hillel, son of Shahar, could also be the name that the king of Babylon took for himself. So while it suggests that this Hillel was one of the gods of the Canaanite pantheon, it's also proposed that that could have been the name that the king of Babylon chose for himself. Now again, you think, oh, I'm sure you're saying, oh, just tell me, just tell me. I don't know. I am giving you all the possibilities so you can make up your own mind. And I know it's, a, you know, a bit difficult. But we know that Isaiah, who's talking about it, and it's a bit like um, what we talked about the other week. We know that Isaiah was a great prophet. So there's another thing we're going to have to ask in this, is that Izzy, suddenly in his, his, his rant about the king of Babylon, is he suddenly be being prophetic and talking about something else, like a fallen angel, or is this the whole rant about the king of Babylon, right? Oh, okay. Whew. So anyway, the point is, when by the time we get to verse 20, uh, this, this king, whoever he was, was not going to uh, basically sleep in his glory, in the sense of being buried with the kings where he would be known for being a great man. It was just going to be, you ain't getting that end and that's the end of it. Now, like I said a few minutes ago, I don't think if we're talking about Lucifer, the fallen angel, that was the end of it. Because we've been talking about it for centuries, haven't we? So that wasn't the end of it. Okay. Um, let me think, where am I going from here now? Mm. <laughs> right, the... Um... <laughs> Just talk among yourselves. So, so I think I've made that, I think I've made that reasonably clear. Um, now the other thing to say as well is that this Hillel, son of Shahar, is the only time it's mentioned in the entire Bible. It's, not, it's nowhere else. It's nowhere else. And when I said the Bible, I mean the Hebrew Bible. It's once only. It's mentioned once. Isn't that weird? Wouldn't you have thought that if that was... I, like, I do actually warm to the idea of it being the pantheon of the Canaanite gods. I quite like that idea. But if we're talking about it being Lucifer, a fallen angel, I think there'd be more reference to it than there is. 
So can we have a look at Ezekiel um, 28, please? Because basically, Isaiah 14 that we've just sort of read a little bit of, and Ezekiel 28, verse 17 and 18, we've got this. The word of the Lord came to me again, saying, Son of man, say to the prince of Tyre, thus says, what did he say? The Lord. <laughs> I went too fast. Oh, covering cherub. Now, can you see the language? Immediately we see cherub, so we think the king of Tyre must be some sort of uh, supernatural being. I don't know, but that's where it, we get it from, you see. Just like Lucifer was uh, the, the fallen angel, we get here that the, sorry, the king of Babylon was Lucifer. We get here that the king of Tyre was a, a cherub. From the midst of the fiery stones, your heart was lifted up because of your beauty. You corrupted your wisdom for the sake of your splendor, and I cast you to the ground. Right? See the cast you to the ground bit? Yeah, we're in there, aren't we? Because we know that this fallen angel was cast out of heaven and came to the ground. So what we read in Isaiah, what we're reading here, and then if you go to uh, Revelations 12, and the problem we have with Revelations 12 is like we've talked about before, has this happened? Is it going to happen? Is it talking about the fall in this context, or is it talking about a future uh, last battle where it's all going to be dealt with? It's, it's difficult to know, but what is suggested is that this in Revelation is talking about this first fall that's referred to in Isaiah and is referred to in Ezekiel. So we've got King of Babylon, King of Tyre, which are two seems to be two men, two different people, uh, referring to this fallen angel, Lucifer. Have we got revelation yet or not? Oh, I'm going to go it down. Ah! Um, it's about the dragon. <laughs> it's about the dragon when it says about the dragon will be thrown down to the earth. Have you got it? Uh, no, it might be further on. Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't write it down. Anyway, he basically talks here about the, the dragon or Satan or the serpent, which immediately associates with the story, with the garden, Genesis chapter 3. And it says here that it's going to be cast down to the earth. Now, they are the three things that this doctrine is based on. And I'm not saying it's not enough. I'm just saying, I'm just saying that's what it is. And so... Oh, have you got it? There you go, you see. The great dragon was hurled down. The ancient serpent called the devil or Satan, who leads the whole world astray, was hurled to the earth and his angels with him. Now, the reason why I have a problem with this being about in the beginning is because nearly everything in Revelation we seem to feel was accomplished in AD 70 with the, um, the, the sacking of, of Jerusalem. And so I am not saying that all of a sudden we haven't become futuristic and, and prophetic thinking forward or thinking backwards, but it's questionable because you've got even the idea of, um, if, if you wanted to say that uh, John is in the spirit talking about all sorts of things and using all sorts of symbolism why isn't this symbol, symbolism about something that's happening in Rome in AD 70? I don't know. It's just easy to associate it with the other ones and come up with a doctrine that we think, I like, I like the sound of that. Now, I'm just going to add one more thing. So they're the three scriptures that we use to um, get our doctrine of Lucifer, basically. But like I said, Lucifer is only in the King James Version um, and the Septuagint, but Septuagint is the small L, which is not a person. Have you got, are, are, we, are you understanding me? But he is a, a person by the time we get to the King James Version. Um, and then, like I say, modern translations since have dropped that and they've gone back to the morning star. Now, what's interesting also about the morning star is that you've got a reference in, um, in Peter 
um, which actually calls Jesus the morning star. And guess what? It's the same word that's used in the original for, that they've translated to Lucifer, which makes you cringe a bit because you're thinking, okay, if you're trying to set up a, um, I, I don't like the, do the word doctrine. I want another word for doctrine. Somebody give it me. A, a theory, maybe that's a good word, on this, then you're going to have to sort out the fact that in Peter, Jesus has been called the morning star. Don't you find that interesting? And it's the same word. But anyway, um, the other verse that sort of, for most mainstream uh, believers, Christians, or whatever you want to call them, they seal the deal with the uh, scripture, Luke 10, verse 18, um, and it's Jesus. So he seals the deal. And I'll wait for you to put up, and Jesus says this. Can you just get, go the verse before or whatever so I can see any the context? Ooh uh, right, so they're talking about they've been out, uh, the disciples, and the, the praying, and the casting out, whatever, <laughs> demons, and they're submitting to us in your name, and they're all excited about it. And isn't it interesting what, what Jesus says? You can go to it now, next verse. He suddenly says, he replied, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Now, what do you make of that? It's a bit random. Do you that? Well, for me, it's a bit random. Now, again, that's the verse that's added then to Ezekiel 28, Revelation 4, uh, sorry, uh, Isaiah 14, Revelation 12, Genesis 3 because of the serpent in the, in the beginning, and um, basically this. Um, and I, I don't know what that means. I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. It could, if it's true that Satan means adversary, it could be talking about anybody. Um, but he might be talking about, who knows, this Halel son of Shahar, because if we are pre-Moses' uh, days when Yahweh comes on the scene, the pantheon of El and all the gods that are there would actually support that. Are you with me? But it doesn't support the, 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 the post-Moses um, era because suddenly we're working with not El of the Elohim, we're working with Yahweh, who's the God of Israel. Again, don't please shoot me down that I'm saying that, well, that I'm saying anything, I'm just telling you what, what, what is there. Is that all right? So let's move on. Whoa. Okay, so um, the, the question seems to be then, is Satan Lucifer or is the devil Lucifer or are we talking about a different thing? Anyway, um, you put all that together and, and I thought, you know, Bob's your uncle, you've got your, you've got your plot. Um, so let's look at the fact that all religions have got a devil figure. It's true. You've got... Uh, in is Islamic, they've got um, Iblis, Ahiram is Zoroastrian, Mara, Buddhism, Nidhogg, that's the one of the Norse uh, gods, Angra, Mayu, loads of them. That they've all got, and if you, if you think about it, even in the context of who would be God, uh, the, the devil in the context of um, psychology, it would be the ego or it would be yourself. So you can always come up with what is the opposition or the force that's working against the good or the real, the genuine. Do you know what I'm get my point there? So all religions seem to have this, and it's sort of the antithesis, oh, it's not a word, antithesis of good. And I mentioned last week when I was talking about uh, song, songs of Solomon, and, and not songs of Solomon, Solomon who wrote Ecclesiastes and also uh, Job. Um, that we always seem to have to find a meaning. We've got to find a meaning for stuff. And um, 
there's no difference in Christianity. We've got to find one. And like I say, I'm not saying that this isn't right, but I'm putting to you the questions that, that, that come about it. So um, the fact that, that we have been led to believe that there is a cosmic entity, this power that is sort of an equal opposite to God. Now, Anth laughs at me when I talk like this because he says, well, you know, I believe that there is a, a devil or a Satan or whatever, but he doesn't believe that he has the same power uh, as God does. But you see, I was very much brought up to believe that there was these just two opposing forces that were constantly warring. And yeah, in the end, God was going to win, but it was going to be a battle to the last. And, and it was always in the context of what that meant for me as well. I'm supposedly uh, saved by the blood of Jesus, but there's this entity that still got power over you. And basically, you can try all you like, but uh, do you know what I mean? And, and that's somehow how I was raised. And, and, and even though Anth has a slightly more positive uh, angle on it, it, it didn't change what my, my thoughts were about it. So there's like this, this cosmic en entity within the context of the, the, the Christian belief. Now, it's interesting that um, the term fallen angel, that's another term that you, you don't find anywhere in the Bible. And I think, again, don't we use phrases so often that lead us down a particular line um, and are suggesting things to us, but in fact are misleading. Uh, now, according to the, 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 the story, did angels fall? Well, it would appear that something went on, and we can talk about that in a little while uh, and give you scriptures that talk about uh, the angels that are in chains because in the New Testament, uh, there's, there's, you know, the suggestion of that. But actually, the term fallen angel, um, it's more to do with those who rebelled as opposed to fall, you know, the term, I'm just talking about the term. Um, also, I mean, I was very much brought up to believe that whoever this entity was as a being, as a person, um, that they were an angel of light. But what's really interesting, if you look in the, the, the scriptures for that, there's nowhere it says he was an angel of light. It says he masquerades as an angel of light. Now, that's a very different thing than actually saying, he was an angel of light. But again, we are associating things like with the, uh, the passage in Ezekiel about the king of Tyre, who was a cherub, and we associate and then, then believe and put things attach, attaching to it. So anyway, um, so if we're not careful, we can have this idea that this figure always existed right from the beginning of time, and he may well have done, um, but we've been led to believe that this being has always existed and he's only ever going to be dealt with at the end of time, which there's loads of questions there. And I know God is God and he, you know, he's able and can do anything he wants within reason because he limits himself because of love. Is it terrible how you have to qualify yourself? But anyway, you get, you get my point. But there are some things that even concern me over thoughts like, uh, you know, hell and the devil and all his angels in the end are going to be thrown into the lake of fire. And then you consider, well, if he's a fallen angel, but he still has supernatural powers because of he's fallen. And of course, we'll have to talk in a little while about the fact of the, this pantheon. We were talking last week about Job. Satan he walks into the presence of God, remember, and he's allowed to accuse Job of what he's supposedly done and there be a court case about it. So we're talking about this figure being uh, free to wander around and do and accuse and do whatever. Um, for, for me, it's uh, interesting. How does, how does a figure like that die? Can it die? I don't know. I'm glad I'm not God. You know, he's going to figure it out. But we have, we have to ask these questions. So anyway, um, point is this. If you look at the Old Testament, 
the whole idea of Satan has evolved. You'll say, well, it hasn't because it was there in Genesis, right at the beginning, it's there. But you see, that portion of Scripture, Genesis, was not written first. It was written much later on, and you've got the whole idea of then Satan coming into the equation as Satan, as a being, uh, rather than ad adversary, whereas a being in the story, very much later on, because it was not in any way a Hebrew philosophy or, or doctrine. So, and we're going to look at that now. What time are we on? 8.19, that's taking ages, isn't it? Poof. All right. Um, so what you could say, just as Yahweh was Israel's God in the context of all the gods that existed at that time, you could say that Lucifer has become the Christian devil because of the translations uh, that's out there. Um, rather than it being about the king of Babylon or about these other things. I won't cover that all again. Um, so in the Old Testament, we have to understand that, um, first of all, Satan was only a person if you believe in the pantheon of gods, i.e. what was talked about in Job. He's only a person in that con context but here's the thing, he is not a fallen angel, but he actually works on behalf of God. He is an emissary of God. That's Old Testament understanding number one. The other understanding of Old Testament is actually this Satan figure doesn't exist at all. And actually God is both good and is evil. Now, do you want me to say that again or not? Because it's important you get this. In the Old Testament, there's only two understandings of this Satan figure. One is that he works on behalf of God as part of the, the council, the divine council. So basically, let's put it this way. He does God's dirty work for him. Is that a good way of putting it? That, that, that's that part of it. The other part of understanding is you don't believe that there is a Satan figure at all, but in fact, God is both good and evil. And he's the bringer of evil and good. He is forgiving, but he's also a, a mighty smiter. And um, you have to understand that all of this is basically in God himself. And I can give you scriptures. Some of you will think, well, no, I, you know, I don't get that, but I can give you scriptures uh, to prove it. So, for instance, when you look at Samuel and it talks about an evil spirit from the Lord, many references to evil spirits being sent by God. Um, and then things like God hardening Pharaoh's heart. I'm, I'm only giving you small examples. You can, you can have a look. There's loads of them. So you get... Uh, in in uh, scripture talking about um, God inflicting plagues. You've got him um, uh, being the punisher of, of evil. Um, but he's also the one who um, is darkness. So where the New Testament talks about him being light, the Old Testament talks about him, yes, but he's darkness too. Whereas we would say, no, he's just light. I, I hope this is coming over to you. So basically, um, Satan in, in one uh, stream is, is this angry voice of God, the obedient minister who basically is used by God to do all this stuff or basically it's just God himself. And I, and I know we mentioned a, a while back in a study, uh, we talked about who is this angel of death, you see. Who is the angel of death that went over the, um, the Passover, for instance? Who is the angel of death? Well, in their understanding, the angel of death would either be the uh, emissary of God to do the dirty work, or it would be God himself. <sighs> right, so having got that out of the way, um, there's another wonderful example because there's, uh, you know, so you can get it into your mind. In Chronicles 21, um, one, First Chronicles 21, and in 2 Samuel, there is this 
illustration of uh, how the understanding was either developing or, yeah, let me just tell you what it was and I'll, I'll come back to it. So the scripture goes, well, actually, do you want to put up 1 Chronicles 21.1? Let's put it up. Oh, it's there. Thank you. What does it say there? First word. Satan rose up against Israel and incited David to take census of Israel. And if you can quickly put up 2 Samuel 24. Oh, I haven't got the verse. Oh, stink. It's because I scribble so fast I forget to write them down. <laughs> uh, have we got it or not? It's okay if you haven't. There. Again, the anger of the Lord burned against Israel and he incited. So which is it? Right, now, I can give you another thought about this which might help a little bit, but I'm not saying it's the whole reason. See, we're pushing loads of stuff in, into a pot. See, I think it was Samuel that was written first and Chronicles was written later. And so the same story is being told but from a different understanding. So the children of Israel, by the time they wrote about Satan rising up against, the, uh, against David, um, is because they'd been in captivity in Babylon. And what do Babylon, Babylonian religion have? But in Zoroastrianism, they have dualism. They have a bringer of evil and a bringer of good. So when they start then trying to figure out who's doing what, their language might have changed by then because all of a sudden they're saying, hang on a minute, we learn in this particular religion that um, actually it's not their main God that does bad stuff. There's actually a, there's a, another one, like a counterpart, a, a, another entity that does bad stuff. So you've got that possibility of actually this understanding of uh, Satan uh, as, again, either the emissary of God or this figure who's, who operates in the original pantheon of El, operating by themselves. Does, does that make sense? I know this is a... Whew! All right. Um, so where am I now? Mm, right. Okay, so really, the, the, what I've put on there is, so what does Jesus make of this? Now, we had the, the scripture, didn't we, about uh, I saw Satan fall from heaven. And um, I'd like to believe, and I've, I've read a whole bunch of stuff just recently where it says that what Jesus came to do was to make sure that he totally differentiated any understanding that the, the Jewish people had of God being both good and evil. Because what Jesus came to do was to say, no, your understanding's wrong. It needs purifying. You need to understand that there is the Abba, my, my father, and he is good. He is love. He's forgiving. He's just everything awesome. But there is this other being, Satan. And Jesus said, now we've got to be at least saying if we're going to follow what Jesus says, We've got to be willing to then say, how much did he say about Satan? Don't you think? Now, it's interesting that if you look at most topics and you want to bring Jesus in on it, I'm not kidding you, he did not make it easy. He didn't at all. You would have thought that with something as serious as this, that he would have had a lot to say, but he didn't. And um, while I love the idea um, that, Jesus came to make sure that, that he separated that side of understanding of God uh, to, to almost put a focus on, a, on another entity. I don't know. I'm, I'm, the, the jury's still out for me. And that's why I sometimes say I don't even know if I believe in one anymore. But, I mean, that's, that's another matter. You know, God will sort me out, won't, won't he? But anyway, um, let me just go to where I'm going, right? Um, where am I going here? Right, okay. <laughs> right, because Jesus seems to speak to these disciples about 
the kingdom of Satan and the things involved, but there's hardly any references at all. And if I, I'll come back to that in a minute. If we get down to it, there are um, 31 references to the devil by Jesus. Um, no, actually, sorry, I'm, I'm not right. There are five references to the devil by Jesus and 13 to, about Satan by Jesus. There are 32, uh, six, 63 references to the devil and Satan in the whole of the New Testament. But out of those 63 references, there are uh, 18 by Jesus. 18. Again, it's one of those things that you think, surely he should have said more about it than this. Now, he talks about um, meeting Satan in the wilderness. Now, that's interesting in itself because one could say, was it a, a being or was it something that he was fighting within himself? Again, I don't, I don't know. Um, but that's a reference that he, he talks about. Most of his references are actually saying to the person, like Peter, get thee behind me, Satan. Oh, we've got, we're back on the Satan being an adversary or being an accuser. Are you, are you following me? Which he, he says it to Peter. So he's not talking about this fallen angel. He's actually talking about Peter. Um, he talks about how can Satan drive out Satan if a kingdom is divided against itself? How can it stand? Uh, how can it? stand and he talks about um, Satan takes the seed that's scattered on the ground when, when uh, in the parable of the sower. Uh, then he says, I saw Satan falling um, from heaven and then he says, oh, the woman, the story of the woman who'd been bound for 18 years, he says, Satan has kept her bound but then he unbound her and then he say, uh, oh, did he say that or was it just said? I don't know. Oh. Yeah, he says to Peter, Satan has asked to sift you like wheat. And then we've got uh, Judas, uh, Satan entering his heart, but whether it was Jesus who actually said that. But point is, can you see how so little has been said that if we really are making this, you know, big, big doctrine on it, it's really quite interesting. Um, so... Let me just go back now, because I've got to see where I am. Um, yeah, in Amos chapter 3, verse 6, you don't have to put it up, but this is a verse that's used regularly by people who are sort of uh, in the camp of God is all of it. You know, God is both good and, good and evil. And it used, it, Amos 3, verse 6 says this, Shall there be evil in the city, and the Lord has not done it? That's pretty straightforward, isn't it? Um, shall there be evil in the city and the Lord has not done it? Basically, don't say that anybody else uh, is responsible because if you say something else is responsible, you're actually challenging the sovereignty of the Most High. Because you see, in the Old Testament, you couldn't have things that were uh, greater than so even if you said, oh, this is, the, this is the baddie and he does bad stuff, it would be like saying that, that your God was then less than. So in, in attributing everything to God, whether it be good or bad, you were actually doing a better job than only saying that he was good. Now, I know that's a bit weird, but I'm just trying to give you what, what basically um, uh, comes out. Um, there's the scripture that says uh, in James, it says, let no man say when he is tempted that I am tempted of God. So you've got this uh, Old Testament saying that if it's evil, God's done it. Um, and yet in New Testament, so there's these right the way through, there's then the, the, the opposite being, being said. Now, I do believe that we have a better covenant. I believe that what we've been brought through Jesus is greater and I am concerned that if we're not careful, it's almost like that we've got Jesus with the old added on. Now, I have to take, like I said, into consideration what does Jesus say on the matter? He mentions Satan. 
And I'm going to look into some more of that. We need to, don't we? Because we've got to find out what he means. But there was just no way I could go into that today. Um, and we'll, we'll, we'll have a look at some more of that. But um, let me just see where I'm going to finish. Um, if you think about it as well in the common narrative, because we have now got this figure because it's a, a theory around this figure of this fallen angel who leads people in, in, into darkness and into sin. Um, we even find that we struggle uh, as to the question of what does God allow on our lives. So if you think about it, when we're in difficulty, the, we'll say, well, you know, if we have these two entities, well, as the devil, is it the devil attacking me? But then we say, well, the, de the devil can only do what God allows. And so you end up in this issue where it would appear that the devil is uh, more powerful than God is. Now, I'm just going to bring you to, to an interesting uh, thing that is quite prevalent. And you, again, go online, you can find it very much in emphasis um, that, you know, where in, in uh, I didn't write down the, the the reference, but you know where it talks about um, um, if you're on the, if you're on your way to court, and it talks about settling your, your issue with your adversary quickly before you get to court, because if you don't, he's basically going to sue the pants off you. But if you sort it out with him immediately, basically it'll go better. You, you remember that idea? I, I'm sorry I didn't write it down. I should have had the, the reference for you. But what is a very major um, uh, ministry that's very prevalent, particularly in the United States, is because of that word adversary, settle with your adversary. They don't take it that it's talking about just general everyday things. Has he found it? Oh, he has. Isn't he great? Thanks, Danny. He's brilliant. Um, Try hard to be reconciled on your way or your adversary may drag you off to the, to the judge and the judge may turn you over to the officer and you'll end up in prison. What that is basically being interpreted as is that the adversary is the devil or Satan or Lucifer, whichever one you want to pick. Um, the judge is God, right? But unless you sort out with your adversary, what, what's that about? The adversary is constantly the accuser of the brethren. We know that from scripture. So he's accusing me, you, the whole world every single day. And the point is, from Job, you've got the picture of him going into the presence of God, the judge. And he's saying, Chris Chapman did so and so. And if he's right, and I don't sort it with him quickly, God has no option but to do something to me because Satan is right. And that is the most horrendous uh, thought because, I mean, in all honesty, I was only listening to it this, this last week. Um, you, you, you immediately start thinking, what? Where's the better covenant? Where's the, where's the more excellent way? Where's the, the incredible uh, victory that, that, that Christ has won? If that's still going on, because we've got the adversary there in the context of it being... Um, the, you know, the, the devil who's saying, um, and the, the awful thing about it is you can't argue with it because he, although he's a father of lies, he's likely to be right. So basically you just agree with him, get it over and done with quick. And so it's over quickly. I, I was just saying, nah, I'm not having none of that. You must be kidding. We're not having any of that, are we? So um, basically, um, where are we here? Um, to attribute anything um, of an evil attribute to God um, would be, if it, sorry, if you didn't, that would be classed as dishonouring because you'd be saying that there was somebody who was as great. So that's why it was like that in the, the Old Testament. So the New Testament, we've got Jesus coming to break all that down, to say you've got a wrong idea. That's, that's my understanding of when it says I saw Satan fall, fall from heaven, but I don't know what 
particularly. So we're going to get back into that at some point. Um, and uh, I think I'm about done. I think. That's me. And I think maybe we now talk to have a chat about this next week and see what we think. Does, uh, did any of it make sense? Or was it just... Because <laughs> I know it's difficult and uh, I'm, you know, I'm not wanting to be clever with it. I just feel that we, we need to have the information to, uh, um, you know. The question is, even if, the, if the, in the Old Testament they didn't believe in this cosmic deity, was he actually working behind the scenes anyway? Or wasn't he? You know, um, I do like the, sorry. It does, yeah, very Greek, very Roman. So, so like I said, I brought this because then you can start thinking about it. Have we been sold an idea? Again, it, it all comes into the context of being controlled. If you are told that there is this entity that is, um, you know, basically out to get you and threatening, it's going to be be that you're going to need certain things whereas if um we're only talking about the king of babylon basically in the old testament then it's not as uh, scary as as we thought however like i say i don't want to take it away from the fact that jesus said i saw satan fall like uh, fall like lightning from heaven so we have to look into that but i wasn't going to go into all that uh, tonight. So um, I will call it a day and uh, we'll maybe ask some questions next week. Uh, if you have some papers and, and uh, we'll go for it. All right. Thank you. Thanks for listening. You might not be aware that The Rock is funded completely through donations from people like yourself. So if you feel like you're part of our community, it would be great if you could make a contribution by visiting our website at www.rockofyork.co.uk and just click on the donate button for more information. Thanks again. Thanks again.